disrespected person in America is the black woman. The most unprotected person in America is the black woman. The most neglected person in America is the black woman. Hey sis, welcome back to Black Girl SOS. So today I wanted to take you outside so you can enjoy some of the Florida sunlight that I get to enjoy all the time, but my allergies are killing me. So <laughs> we're going to be right inside. We're going to maintain our YouTube format and we're still going to chit chat. So today we are talking about the importance of preserving our education and the importance of in-home education and how I re-arrived at what I already knew because I spent so many years in education uh, was via Juneteenth. And I had the great fortune of spending my Juneteenth in Texas, which um, for those of us that know, we know that Juneteenth started in Texas. And for those of us who did not know, we know now, and we're gonna use our Googles to learn even more about Juneteenth. And Juneteenth.com is a great resource to start with to um, learn more about Juneteenth. But um, to the point, I was able to spend my Juneteenth in Texas. So I parked my car at the long-term parking and I was waiting for the shuttle driver, waiting for the shuttle bus, excuse me, as the shuttle arrived, uh, it's just myself and the shuttle driver on the, on the van. And uh, it was a van, not a bus, sorry. <laughs> anyway, as he's transporting me to the airport, we're having very common banter. And he's just asking me where I'm going. And I say, Houston. And he's like, you know, work or, or pleasure. And I say, oh, for Juneteenth weekend. Now, I would say that this man, one, he was a white man. Uh, two, I'd say this man probably was, or at least he, he appears to be um, late 50s. And he says to me, oh, I just learned of Juneteenth yesterday. So that means this man has been on this decade, by my guesstimation, at least five decades and had never heard of Juneteenth, right? And I would have pretended to be surprised, but I was not because I was educated in America and I know that that is not the way black history is taught. Black history is taught slavery, Malcolm X, I mean, slavery, Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, um, and then, and then, and then we just free, you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> we, just, we just out of here living our best life is, is the version, uh, that they tell. And so I wasn't surprised at all, but, um, I went on to say to him, yeah, you know, it's, I'm really excited. I've never got to celebrate it, um, in Texas and it's just going to be a great time. And it was, it was an amazing time. So shout out to all of the great, great women and their families that I got to celebrate Juneteenth with this year. But the point is that I wasn't surprised because I wasn't educated on Juneteenth. I learned about Juneteenth when I got to college. Um, I went to the University of Buffalo, State University of New York, Go Bulls. And, um, yeah, Buffalo is, I, the best thing about Buffalo is Buffalo is hella, hella black all the fucking time. Like, 
Won't need no motherfucking holiday to be black in Buffalo. And that is probably one of the things that I really, really, really love about Buffalo. Um, so Juneteenth is a big deal in Buffalo. It is celebrated like the 4th of July there. And that was really my first exposure to it. You know, like I had maybe heard it in passing and maybe might have been lightly familiar with it. But I know for a fact that I didn't really learn about it, wasn't really exposed to it, and didn't really see it celebrated until I was in college. And I'm a black woman, so I was not even remotely surprised that this white man had never heard of it, right? If I don't know, why would I expect anybody else to know? And then that brought me to the point that, you know, we have such an important duty to make sure that we are the ones that preserve our education. I mean, that preserve our history and that we are the ones educating those that are coming behind us. And even those that are lateral or older than us that may not know, like we have that job, we have that responsibility. And when I used to be an educator, I used to say to my parents all the time, you know, this is not just my job. Like me educating your child is not just my job. Like this job doesn't stop here at the schoolhouse it doesn't stop in my office it doesn't stop in my after school programs like this also needs to be reiterated in the home like this is a collective there's a reason that it takes a village and someone tweeted um that we need to have a class action suit against mcgraw hill for the the bullshit that they publish <laughs> and the annotated versions of history that they put in our social studies books and our history books that lead um, black children to believe that their history starts at slavery. And in that regards, I speak to, um, you know, American descendants of slaves and, and obviously not people that immigrated here um, for other reasons and, and period, because we didn't immigrate here. We were brought here. <laughs> Very different. And I was like, yeah, we, we do need to sue their ass. I'm a lawyer, so I'm always like, <laughs> I can get litigious in a minute. So I'm like, <laughs> but as I read it, the first thing that came to mind was, this is the true miseducation of the Negro. And um, if you have not read Carter G. Woodson's Miseducation of the Negro, you can add that to the list of things that you need to add to your Googles and add to your library. And the first time I read it, was in the was in junior high school I was in the seventh grade and i'd gotten a book at a family reunion um <clears throat> and it was a game changer in truth i didn't understand every concept i read i was in the seventh grade i wasn't you know i was an extremely smart child um but i, I wouldn't pretend that i was you know this black history prodigy um in junior high school but it definitely made a difference in me reading that book so early and just having the opportunity to have access to that book so early made a difference. And again, it's to the point that it's our job to make sure that we're educating our kids and, and, and our peers and even our parents and grandparents who, you know, may or may not know. They just... You only know what you know, and you don't know what you don't know. And each one teach one. So as we learn, it's our responsibility to, you know, pass that information down. And what I do know is that for, I don't know, as many years as I can remember back to being very young and being in elementary school, I, I don't remember 
being taught anything about black excellence happening prior to slavery. So I was never taught that I came from people who were already excellent. That that's not that's not the way I was educated. I was educated that we were enslaved, brought across to America. I wasn't even given the the details of what the transatlantic slavery was like. I would say until probably I feel like fifth and sixth grade is probably like the first time I really heard an account of the transatlantic uh, commute. And I use commute loosely. But it's to the point that, I, you know, I was educated in a very specific way by very specific people. And I had a lot of black educators in, in primary school, but also those black educators were teaching from a curriculum that they didn't design, right? They were just teaching, they were teaching from a curriculum they were given and had to administer. And to the point of in the fifth grade, I, I want to say it was Miss Brownlow. I'm almost 3,000% Miss Brownlow is the first of my educators who really started to speak truth to power and just tell some truth about how we got here. And it you know, the fact that these books are not all encompassing and these books are not the end all to be all, um, you know, there's limits to what you can say to a fifth grader because what you say to a fifth grader nine times out of 10 turns into questions and people, you know, I, I can only imagine that you, you one, you want to protect your job two you, you don't want to stir a pot at home that's going to come back in school that again is going to affect your job so i you know obviously i don't know what all went into the decisions that were made to stick to the curriculum um to not veer off the curriculum but it is what it is i was i was in primary school in the late 80s so there you have it you know <laughs> It, it, it was not, it was not really spoken of. And then I started junior high school, um, in, 19, in what, 1990, 89, 90, I think 89, 90 started in 90. <laughs> I started junior high school in 90 and this for me, at least was the first time since the second grade that I had white educators. Um, why that matters is that I started to get a lot of different information and, and not misinformation. Honestly, my white educators started to educate me about other white stuff that wasn't taught in books. So the things I was learning about European history, they were exposing me to the truth of it. You know, I was learning so much more about the then Soviet bloc. I was learning so much more about certain struggles in Eastern Europe. And obviously in the moment, I'm not grasping the magnitude and I'm not grasping the privilege that my white educators have to, to say, well, this is, you know, I'm teaching you the curriculum, but here's what's really going on. Like, here's what went on with my family. Here's what goes on when I go back to visit. And the fact that they were able to confidently, courageously veer off course of 
you know, the curriculum as the curriculum was designed. You know, in those moments, I, you're young, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm what, 10? <laughs> I'm 10 at the time. I don't grasp the fact that this is a courageous act. I also don't grasp that there's a privilege attached to being able to do that without the worry or the fear of possibly losing your job, being reprimanded, you know, X, Y, and Z. I, I, I don't grasp all of this. But in hindsight, I think back to how early I started learning the truth about, again, the then Russian bloc, to a lot of things in a lot of Eastern European history, a lot of Western European history, I started getting firsthand accounts from my white educators. And I, as I, you know, reflect on that, I think, wow, there was so much opportunity for me to be educated so much earlier because my primary school was predominantly, with the exception of my second grade, all of my educators were educators of color every last one of them. They were black and they were Latina, they were Afro-Latina. I had an abundance of opportunity to really be educated on so much of my culture and those opportunities weren't seized and I'm sure that they had very valid and good reasons. And the minute that my white educators had the opportunity to tell me the truth, it was like, well, here's what's really going on. and. Again, it's, it's these innate privileges that, um, one, a lot of white people think they don't have or <laughs> tend to overlook and think that we can do the same shit they do, but we probably fired for doing some shit like that back then. Um, and so following year, seventh grade, I go to a family reunion and, you know, the, the gala, the last night, they have vendors set up, which, P.S., I just thought was a dope look, so... You know, shout out to my family for that. Um, and I ran in, I just ran in before the gala was even set up. And I was just looking at the books. I've always been a nerd. I love to read. Um, one of many reasons I've been called a nerd throughout my life. <laughs> uh, but I, um, so I ran in, I seen all the books. And, you know, this time again, in seventh grade, I'm, I'm 11. My cousins are outside playing. And I'm super athletic, always been an athlete, so... I really have no reason not to be engaging in the sports, but I saw a man setting up books, so I dodged the sports, and I ran inside to see what books he had, and um, the cover of Miss Education of the Negro really caught my eye. So I picked the book up, and I flip it over to read the back of the book, and the man who was selling the book was like, oh, you know, I'm surprised that's a book you would pick up, and I was like, well, the picture was very interesting, so I wanted to know what the book was about. And he said, you know, that's a pretty adult book. I'm not going to hold y'all. <laughs> In my brain, I've been a grown-ass woman for a very long time. Not fast, but grown. Like, I've been an old-ass woman a very long time. So my response was, I am an adult. <laughs> and, you know, he's just like, you know, it's an adult, it's an adult read. You may need somebody to, you know, sit with you and read it. I'm looking at bro like, I don't need a motherfucker to sit with me and read shit. He wasn't wrong because I didn't grasp all the concepts. He was definitely correct in the fact that it was going to be more mature read than things I had been reading previously. But as far as I was concerned, bro, I got this. Let me do what I do. So I got the price on the book. I ran back outside. I asked, I don't know, a relative. Who the hell knows which relative? But I asked him for some money to buy the book. 
the relative said, let me come inside with you, came inside, I guess, you know, just to verify it was an of age appropriate book. I don't know, or the price on the book. I really don't know why they couldn't just give me the money and let me do what I do. Because again, in my mind, I'm an adult. I don't need no motherfucking assistance. <laughs> but I also need their money. So I'm going to take this escort back into the gallery room so that uh, I can get this book. So we go in, I show the book. And they're like, okay, it's okay, pay for the book. So I now have this book in my possession. So it's seventh grade, and I now am in possession of Miss Education of the Negro. I tuck my book away. I go get ready for gala. We move on. I get back home, and in my house, I had a stocked bookshelf. My bookshelf was to the brim, bleeding over, and I come home with another book. And my mom is like, you're going to need to start donating some of these books because we ain't got no more room, and my mother does not like a messy house. So, <laughs> at this point, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to make this shit work. Because <laughs> I'm not trying to part with any of my books. I have since learned the value of sharing books. But at that time, I'm like, sis, I need all my books. All of them. Like, they mine. <laughs> so, <laughs> I start to read this book, and I start to get introduced to concepts that I don't fully understand. But I'm going to keep reading anyway. I don't grasp them, but I'm going to keep reading anyway. And this is before we had the interwebs, you know. I don't even think I have my computer yet. I think I got my computer. I got my first computer in the eighth grade or in the ninth grade. One of those. And that shit was like a Tandy. And anybody who is of age remembers a Tandy. And you know that this was not like some... This shit wasn't a MacBook, bruh, Okay. <laughs> Um, and, and I still didn't have internet. Didn't even matter. When I got my computer, I didn't have internet. This was also still pre-AOL dial-up. So I did not have the features. The computers were imputing. I did not have, like, the access to just, like, kind of quickly look up what I was reading and didn't understand. You know, I was a library kid. Card catalogs. Tangible books. I still prefer tangible books. I volunteered in the library. Interned in the library all through high school. I was... Big on the books, big on the library, big on being able to research because it's not like I had any other way to research. Um, so while I wasn't grasping everything I was reading, I was, you know, bits and pieces were registering. And what I what I was understanding is that if civilization, if civilization started with us, how could I not come from greatness? And how could you sell me these dreams of other people creating all of these, you know, all of, of these things that we're forced to learn, like to, to pretend that Africa had nothing to offer but slaves. Like these things are starting to resonate. I don't understand everything, but these things are starting to resonate. And slowly but surely, I'm starting to see them translate more and more as I'm more and more educated. Fast forward to high school. I'm now in high school, and uh, this is before my high school really faced some challenging times. Um, my high school was one of the better high schools in New York City. So shout out to Murray Virtual High School for Business Careers. I went there from 93 to 97, and I had some amazing educators. I mean, amazing. And one of the main reasons that they were amazing is because you didn't have to be one of their students for them to feel invested enough to educate you. 
you know, they would use their, their planning periods and they would use their free periods and they would use before and after school to take time with you, you know, to sit with you and to teach you stuff. And, um, it, it made a world of difference. Uh, my white educators taught me even that much more about, you know, the truth of World War II and, and just historical periods, I mean, historical events that happened in Europe. But also, my Black educators did the same. They started talking to us about the truth, and they started telling us the truth. And it wasn't everybody, but, you know, there's, a, there's always a few bold ones, and, you know, and they were... They were gracious enough to really tell us a lot of truth. You know, shout out to Woody. We love Woody. And Woody wasn't even my teacher. He taught two of my best friends at the time. And he would he would bring me in and swoop me in and talk to me when he would talk to them. He would take us out and, and he would just really pour into us in a very different way, which is also, you know, something I'll get into at another time why we don't bash black men here at Black Girl SOS. Yeah, there's some fuckery, but there's some fuckery amidst all of us. You know, in large part, I I've had great experiences, and so we don't do that here. <laughs> and we're not going to do that here. We're going to address shit as it needs to be addressed. We're going to call party foul when we need to call party foul, but we're not going to throw an overarching umbrella on just shading black men. That's not a vibe in my life, so that's not something I'm going to perpetuate on my platform. But that being said, to get back on topic, here's where you start to see all the pieces come together for me. Now remember, I still don't I still don't really know about Juneteenth. I'm still not super educated on Juneteenth. I am more of a I know they're not telling me the, the whole truth and I know about Kwanzaa. <laughs> this is where I'm at, you know, and slowly the pieces are starting to fall together. And I remember I was in math um sophomore year. I want to say it was sophomore year. might have been junior year, but I'm pretty sure it was sophomore year. And we were um, studying the Pythagorean theorem. And they are, my math teacher is telling me all of these wonderful things that Pythagoras brought to life for us mere mortals so that we would be able to, you know, understand triangles and angles and blah, blah, blah. And so I was like... I got called on, and <laughs> my teacher's like, Latasha, and I'm like, if this guy invented A squared plus B squared equals C squared, how come Africa had pyramids way before this person existed? I just want to know. I mean, you're telling me, but for him, and I'm telling you, that already existed. And I just need the math to math. Like, I just need it to make sense. I was. <laughs> sent to, <laughs> I was kicked out of class. I was sent to, I can't remember if it was the dean's office or the guidance counselor's office. Probably the guidance counselor. Um, and my guidance counselor was a white woman at the time. And uh, I was just like, yeah, all I did was ask a question. And I felt like it was pretty damn valid, so... I don't know the problem. I don't see the problem. And what I realized very immediately is that 
they don't want to be challenged on what is truly our history. Like the status quo being challenged is going to be problematic. I'm going to be penalized and I'm going to, you know, basically put myself in jeopardy every time I challenge the status quo. I mean, a large part, I don't give a fuck. I, I'm, I'm a bit of a pot stir and I want the shits. Always have been, always will be. When they lower the casket, the epitaph on my headstone will read, headline a motherfucker with the shits, okay? So I'm all good with that. But um, it was a lesson learned and what it really did was kind of open my eyes even more. I went back and I reread Miseducation of the Negro. It started to make more sense. The things I was reading started to settle in more. The pieces were start, you know, like the 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 Lego pieces or or the the puzzle pieces were starting to come together, and things were starting to make more sense. Fast forward to undergrad um, when I got to Buffalo. So I went to Buffalo the summer before my undergrad started, and uh, my my EOP advisor was. Terrell Monroe, shout out to Terrell. Um, and one of the first things he said to us, unequivocally, he didn't ask us, <laughs> he didn't make a plea to us, he told us, you were joining the Black Student Union. Period. That shit was a sentence. Period. That's it. And we did. <laughs> and we did. And I'm grateful um, for that kind of unequivocal navigation you know and being in the black student union in a place like buffalo honestly when i tell you we were blackly blackly black 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 it was good it, it was you know it gave me the opportunity one to exchange dialogue with people from different backgrounds that are you know skin folk and more importantly it gave me the opportunity to be educated on things that i had not been educated about before so to the original point of what got me here Juneteenth is a big deal in Buffalo. And I was really overexposed to it, not just what it was, but the way it's celebrated, that it's our Independence Day. I had never heard that before. Even when I had heard of Juneteenth in passing, I had never heard of it expressed and celebrated as our Independence Day. And it's just a testament to how very important it is for us to be the ones that are educating our young people, our peers, and above all what we know. And I think with COVID um, really forcing homeschooling on everybody, at least with the parents I have spoken to, it's become much more understand understandable. I feel like parents get it now, one, what educators go through, but two, that this shit is a collective job. Like, I can't do this shit on my own, you know? One, I don't have all the answers. I just don't. And two, that educator can fill in a blank that this parent can't, and this parent can fill in a blank that this educator can't. But also, also, overwhelmingly, what I've heard from parents that I've spoken to is how much has been lost from their education experience to the experience that their kids are having, where their kids are being really, really taught in a confined space to pass an exam. They're not even getting as much education as we were getting 
shit and our shit was already annotated I, I remember I hosted a poll on Twitter and I just asked, you know, those of you who are parents of kids, um, I think the age limit I used was 7 to 13. Um, yeah, 7 to 13. And those of you who are educators, do you still see current events happen? I remember, And I asked how old were you when you first started reading the newspaper? Like I started reading the newspaper very young in primary school because I had to do a current event like... If it wasn't daily, depending on the educator, it was weekly. But I always had to do it every grade. I did that from, I would say, third grade straight into, I don't know, it feels like ninth or tenth grade. I was responsible for current events. And then I remember in high school, I got my first New York Times subscription. And I had to get that. It was a mandatory part of, of um, one of my classes. And so parents are noticing how much is not being taught in schools, how much real life education their kids aren't getting. And then when it's translated into our own history, you realize how much we didn't get. So if we didn't get it and they're getting less, shit, they're barely getting a sprinkle. And so we have a responsibility, a cooperative responsibility, a cooperative responsibility um, to really just make sure that one we're educating ourselves the best that we can we are in a time where information is palm of our hands every one of our phones is a supercomputer um and on top of that most of us have a computer we've got smart tvs everything you need is available you know i do not miss running through the pages of encyclopedia britannica i don't miss that at all like i'm very grateful for the way modern technology has really um, brought information into concise spaces. That being said, we also have the responsibility of siphoning out the source of this information because what sucks about the internet is that anybody can put up anything at any time. So it still provides the opportunity for people to curate our narrative and make our narrative whatever they want it to be. And that's not what we want to teach um, ourselves or our youth peers or anybody above us. So we still need to be, you know, we still need to do our due diligence and make sure that we siphon out um, our sources and just make sure that the the information that we're putting out to others, even if the information we're absorbing, that it, it's viable um, and, and really important is that it's actionable. So when we teach Juneteenth, we also want to teach celebrating Juneteenth, the same way they teach the 4th of July as Independence Day. And then they give us the day off because they teach us that it's that important that we need to celebrate it. You know, that's why people fought to have Martin Luther King's birthday off, because if you all want to hold him up on this high horse, and y'all know I am always interested in getting into the shits of how they love to canonize Martin Luther King, but they hated him so much that they assassinated him. So this real whitewashed version that they give us of MLK is not really the totality of MLK. I mean, I'm always interested in getting into that. If anybody cares, you know, hit me up, drop a comment, whatever, I'm down. Um, but to the point is that they want they canonize him so much and, and make him one of the acceptable blacks so much that he's taught in school, well, then he needs to be acknowledged. You know, that's why everybody was fighting to get his birthday acknowledged and Truth be told, I don't think it's acknowledged in every state at this very moment in 2020. It is not acknowledged in every state. And that, you know, and that, again, proves the fucking point 
um, the fact that they tell us this real bullshit version, this real convenient version of MLK. But anyway, when to my original point, uh, when we teach uh, these these things of our culture, we also need to teach them to celebrate it. And I think that that is, you know, across the board with our history, our religions, you know, stop teaching that our religions are, that uh, our origin religions are witchcraft. They're not, you know, stop, stop teaching shit like that. But it's on us to educate ourselves. It's on us to, you know, learn more, absorb more, celebrate more, and to teach more and teach in-house. We just, we don't have the luxury of relying on the system to incorporate our truth into their narrative. That just is what it is. And that doesn't mean that we don't have the space to still teach. So utilize your platforms. Um, I, I am wholly aware that every educator is not going to speak truth to power in the classroom because that is going to have a trickle-down effect. I get that. I understand that. But we have so many other platforms and so many other ways, so many other opportunities that we can teach each other. Let's not squander those. Um, let's not Let's not pretend that we don't have a responsibility to do that. You know, just remember... Each one, teach one. And with that being said, I wish you all a very happy Saturday. Um, I hope that you all learn something new about yourself, your family, your culture, and that you share with somebody, share with a stranger, share with somebody you love. Just share it. And until next time, sis, you have a good one.